mindfulness mode. The ego will make us feel what's important is unimportant and what is unimportant seem important. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode. And guess what, Mindful Tribe? We have such an amazing guest today. She's known as the Joy Coach, and you're going to find out why we have Megan Fetz with us today. Hey, Megan, are you in Mindfulness Mode today? Absolutely. Every day I'm in mindfulness mode. Wow, I'm so excited to interview you. (laughs) Megan Fetz has studied yoga and the law of attraction for years. And as a result, like I said, she's now known as the Joy Coach. The Yoga Sutra's ancient texts talk about how we create our external world based upon our internal projections. And she believes that slowing down and creating intentional thinking are central keys to keep her clients meeting their highest potential and to grow their business in alignment with the 12 universal laws. Megan's process involves breaking down the science and fundamentals of the mind. So let's break down those fundamentals, Megan. What does mindfulness mean to you? To me, honestly, Bruce, mindfulness is is a multi-layered thing. So we think about our mind, right, more often than not, but we forget about the fact that we're a mind and a body living in an external world. So there's actually three layers to our existence. And with when we allow ourselves to really become aware and invite that awareness into what am I experiencing in my external world? What is this creating within my physical body? What kind of reaction am I choosing? And what kind of thought processes am I taking within that? Then we can start to see our patterns and we can actually start to step back and and see things from a different point of view that actually gives us an opportunity of choice. So really, I guess in the the big scheme of it, mindfulness to me is about creating choice. Well, it really is about creating choice. And so many times we feel like we don't have choices, but we do have choices all the time. And how did you get into this work helping other people find that they have choices and leading them in the right direction? Well, I lucked out. I grew up actually with a very in in depthly connected, I'll call her grandmother. Um, she was the most incredible woman. She studied personal development. She practiced Reiki. She taught us meditation. And so I grew up in that kind of environment where she taught us to slow down and really take in life. Um, And so I had that foundation at the beginning, but I still, you know, as life goes, had to venture off and find my own path and ended up as a teenager finding out that boys and drugs and alcohol were a lot more fun (laughs) (laughs) and uh, took myself down this really deep path of addiction. And, and so I totally understand that feeling of not having choice because when you create a pattern, so in depth in your being, it really does feel like there's no opportunity to get out. There might be a desire, but how do we actually move out of it? And I literally woke up one day And that choice was right in front of me. 
I knew that I had two options. One could be to continue down the path of addiction or the other one could be to just try something new. And there was something in me that just knew that that was the way I had to go. Do something new, see what happens. And I made that choice and I left all my friends. Now, I won't say that it was an easy choice and an easy path, but I did it. And I found my first yoga teacher training. And I went in thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to learn how to move my body and I'm going to be a great human pretzel. Yes. <laughs> and, and it turned out to be so much more because there was that invitation of looking at, well, what actions are you taking? What belief systems are you holding on to? What ideas do you have about yourself, about the world that is keeping you in this experience? And it was really about like unwinding all of these layers of things that I had placed upon myself over the years and really getting down to the core so that I could see what are in the most simplistic ways, what are my core limiting beliefs that I'm holding on to, that I'm choosing to navigate from and what patterns do I use to keep me there? And that changed my life. So I knew in that moment I needed to share the tools. Megan, I want to go back for a moment to the pain of addiction, to some of your lowest points when you were you were struggling and you were feeling lost. Can you describe a day when you were at that low, low point? Absolutely. Um, there's a couple that actually come to mind where there would be days of not sleeping, not connecting with anybody, and just all that was important in that moment was the drugs. And in that experience, knowing, right? Like it's like a, the best way I can describe it is it's like an inner conflict. The conscious mind knows that this is not, that wasn't where I wanted to be. But yet that feeling of not having choice, I felt like I deserved that. Like I was worthless, mm -hmm. that I was a failure. And so those feelings just kept me into that space because even though consciously I knew that this wasn't right, there was almost like a succumbing to those negative belief systems. Well, if I'm a failure, if I'm already doing this, then what's the point of trying anything different? And there would be days where that would be the first thought that would come into my mind. I'd wake up in the morning and the first thought would be, okay, yeah, let's count down the hours until I can go and get drugs and start drinking. And then at the end, when I would come out of those times, there would be so much judgment, so much judgment about myself falling back into those patterns, doing that same thing, knowing that I didn't like it, I didn't want to be there, that it wasn't serving me, that again, it would create that cycle because it was the desire to run from those very powerful overwhelming feelings. So how were you able to stop that cycle of shame? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I really, looking back at it now, I had no idea what I was doing at the time, Bruce. It was, I'm very blessed in my journey because this, when I woke up and when I became aware of what I was doing, I knew that I needed to take a couple of steps in order to support myself because I had had a couple of very close calls that I knew pretty soon was going to be probably one of my end experiences. And that scared me. That scared me enough to, to look at things and 
see whether or not this was really where I wanted to go. And I had always, because I had that strong foundation, I think that really worked to pull me back. But I knew the three steps that I knew I had to take was I had to let go of everyone that was in my life at that time. So I walked away from the people that I was hanging out with. And it was very lonely at that time because I felt like I had nobody with me on that path. I felt like I was completely choosing something that was going to ostracize me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I didn't know where to go. So there was that feeling that I knew I had to, to deal with. The next was I actually enrolled myself into a mastermind. I heard about a local group that was doing a, a gathering that was talking about things like the law of attraction. In fact, they were studying one of Bob Proctor's books. Oh, were they? Yeah. And uh, so I signed up for that because I knew that'd be my weekly contact. And maybe then I could also connect with people that were in a different space. So I did that. And then I started moving my body quite a bit. And I'm a big believer that we can work through our mind and we can work our body, but if we're not doing it together, there's no true outlet for those emotions to be released. So what were some of the first things you learned from that mastermind that studied the Bob Proctor book? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that I took away with it was that we are all full of potential and it's whether or not we choose to tap into it. And that was my aha. Like, so there would be those moments, right? And where I'd crave and I'd want to go back to my old patterns, but that would come into my mind. But we all have the same potential. So what are you choosing to do with it? And I kept that into my brain as much as possible so that every time that feeling or desire would come up to go down that, that past-based path, I could come back to that. And then I found that I surrounded myself with as many people in that new space as possible so that if I was kind of setting myself up so that if I did relapse, if I did go back to that, that I felt like I was letting other people down. So it was almost like I was tethering myself to a new space because I had such a strong desire to do something different for myself that the old way wasn't a possibility anymore. So then you began to immerse yourself into the world of yoga. So what did that look mm -hmm. like? Yeah, so it started off purely as practice. And to be honest, when I first started practicing yoga, I was one of those people where at the very end, I could do the movement, I loved it. I mean, there was a little bit of ego involved because I could do a lot of the different postures and pat myself on the back for how great I could get. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, but then at the end in Shavasana, where you have stillness, I couldn't do it. Ah. And I would have my, my mentor at the time, she would come and actually sit with me and hold my hand because I would pop up and I would look and I would almost get that anxiety feeling of like, oh, okay, well, I'm done. I shouldn't be here anymore. Let's move on. And so I then really started to dive into that stillness. So, okay, so I can do the posture, but I can't be still. So let's lean in there. And I started to do that. And then I, that's when I got invited to do the yoga teacher training. And I, it was quite interesting because the first day we walked in and they said, okay, well, share about yourself, share about your journey. And at that point I have, I had never shared before. And so I remember going around the room and just shaking, sweating, thinking all of these things like, oh my gosh, these people are going to judge me and sharing and the amount of support 
that came out and the stories that came out, it, it made me realize that we can't just sit there and look at people and assume that we know their journeys. We need to connect and we need to understand on a deeper level so that we can actually understand ourselves on a deeper level as well. So what was the breakthrough that happened when you started to really believe and accept that slowing down was one of the most important things you could do? The biggest breakthrough was my mindset. And uh, I guess not even necessarily my mindset, but being able to sustain a positive mindset. Because there was no longer, like when we, when I was busy, the mindset would kind of have its own track. It would have its own way and its own 97% of the past-based thoughts would be roaring in my brain. And when I slowed down, there was an opportunity that I could actually see them. I could see them. And then I knew in that moment that I had that choice. Okay, well, I see that. Do I want to believe that? No. What is it that I do want to believe? And I had that opportunity then to swing my belief systems over to where I really wanted them to be and feel a little bit more in control within myself versus feeling like victim in every experience that I had. Well, I'm so fascinated in your journey and how you've come from there to now the point where you're featured in a very, very successful film called How Thoughts Become Things. Wow, this is such a, such a journey that you've been on. What's one thing that you want your listeners, your audience to get from your appearance in How Thoughts Become Things? The biggest thing that I would love them to acknowledge is, is learning how to really connect with people. Um, in the movie, I talk a little bit about relationships and wanting to shift how we utilize relationships, how we see relationships. And I think that's such a vital piece because we are human beings that need connection. And when we can learn how to really see and understand other people, Again, it's that external layer that then allows us to go a little bit deeper and understand ourselves that little bit further. This seems to be a society we live in now where there's so much hurt and there's so much lack of connection. How can we move through that and move to a place where we really embrace each other more and have much richer connections? The biggest thing would be curiosity. I always say curiosity is our superpower that we often forget about because we go naturally through our day and we kind of compartmentalize things. And so we will experience, say something with somebody that we may not like. So then we compartmentalize that individual, not just their actions or that experience. We compartmentalize that individual as this, and then we kind of tuck them away in a little box and that's where they live. And instead we wanna become curious because we want to understand where that person is coming from. Maybe there was an experience that wasn't positive, but was that truly that person or was that maybe their experience that they were having during the day? Or maybe there was something that was coming up. Maybe they were feeling stressed. And when we can stop choosing to react based on how other people react to us, 
And I call it the me mind. When we can move out of the me mind into the, the we mind, then we can actually understand that people can only meet us where they are. And if we can choose instead curiosity to learn where they are, then we can connect a lot deeper. Well, you have uh, achieved so much and now you're helping other people because you're known as the joy coach. Can you share a story about someone that you've helped, someone that you've moved from a place of desperation to a place of absolute bliss? Absolutely. My, my favorite is the ones that come in with resistance. I get often, Bruce, the stories of, oh, well, I've done this and I've done this and nothing's worked. And I'm like, perfect. You're in the right place then. Um, I actually had a, a girl come into my work and she had shared that she had gone through over 20 years of counseling, that she was unable to sleep, that there was nothing that I could do that would change because there was nothing that had worked and she had tried everything. And so we started working together and a couple of weeks went by and all of a sudden she came up in and she goes, I slept. I slept for the first time since I was 10. Wow. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, and I truly believe that there is something in me that deserves to have all the things that I desire in my life. And I said, so you feel that, right? And she said, yes. So we went a little bit deeper because usually there'll be in our growth, we'll have that breakthrough moment. And then we kind of slide a little bit because we have a healing process, mm -hmm. right? And then we'll excel again and then we'll dip down. And within that time, what I loved is she started to become aware. So even in those times where she'd slide back a little bit, there, that fear would originally come up, but then she'd be like, you know what? It's not the same. And she would start to notice her thoughts. Well, I'm feeling this and I'm thinking this, but I know it's not true. And we'd start to have that conversation. And so now, actually, I was just talking to her the other day. She's actually become a coach herself. She's built her business and she has this incredible relationship with her husband that she didn't have before because she felt like she didn't deserve it. And she has completely shifted into taking care of herself, taking care of her mind and really loving who she is. It's amazing. Wow, that's a beautiful story. That is a beautiful story. So when did you first meet up with Doug Vermeeren, the man who has put together this film, How Thoughts Become Things? Well, a couple years ago, I was invited to an event with my publisher. And you know, it's funny how things work, right? I, I'm a big believer in listening to our body versus our head because our body will never steer us wrong. And leading up to that event, actually the day of, I was teaching yoga that morning and I kept telling myself like, do I really want to go to this event? And something in me, my body kept saying yes. So I was like, okay, get, get your stuff together here, Meg, let's go out and go to this event. And it ended up being Doug's event. And I brought my mom with me and her and I sat and we learned so much. I was taking so many notes and partway through the day, he put it out there. I'm creating this new film called How Thoughts Become Things and would love to chat more about anybody who's interested. So, of course, my mom was nudging me and 
getting me to go up there and connect. And so I did, and I got to watch the filming of John Demartini's aspect of the film. And a couple of days later, Doug and I connected and it was like, the, he talked about the film and it was like everything that I loved, everything that I talked about, everything that I taught. And he invited me to be a part of this film. Wow. So I, it's amazing. And actually the wildest part, this, this to me is just crazy, is two weeks beforehand, I had been writing out my goals for the year and I had grown up listening to Bob Proctor because like I say, my grandma was very much into the personal development world. And I had just wrote there, like I always believe in having a goal that I have no idea if it's even possible, but why not, right? And I had put down there, I want to work alongside Bob Proctor. And then when I met Doug, that was one of the first people he said, and Bob Proctor's in this film and I like shared all these names. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And so do you work alongside Bob Proctor now? I mean, I know you're in the film with Bob. Yeah, so not quite yet. I mean, everything's still quite new, but I know one day it will happen. Wow. Yeah, well, it's an incredible film, and its I understand that it's been downloaded more already than The Secret was. And The Secret is so well known, you know, about the law of attraction. What do you see as the major difference between this film over The Secret? Well, The Secret was really more introducing the concept right. of the law of attraction. I think it was more bringing it to the masses. Whereas now that it's been out there and people have been really curious about it, now this is like, this is what you need to do. This is how you actually put it into place. These are the steps that you, we want you to be aware of so that you can really live and implement the law of attraction. Right. Yeah, it's a great film. And uh, Mindful Tribe, you know, absolutely get your hands on this film. You can go to mindfulnessmode.com slash howthoughts. And that's my affiliate link. And just grab the film, look at it, watch it and watch it again and watch it again and watch it again. Because there are so many powerful messages in there about how to make this happen. Just like Megan has said. So, yeah, it's just incredible what what Doug has been able to put into this film with all the different people. Now, did you meet other people that are featured in the film as well? The only ones that I've had the opportunity so far to connect with, because we had all of these really cool live events planned. And then of course, with the shifts of the world or the, the call to pivot, I'll call it, we never got the chance to all connect. So it's all been a lot more virtually. I've had the opportunity to meet Dr. John Demartini, um, Doug, of course. And um, other than that, we've more been connecting virtually and making plans and chatting that way. But interesting enough, I'll share this. So Travis Fox, another speaker in the film, him and I are very interconnected in our communities as well. I never knew it until right before this film got released. So I had heard about his teachings through family members who have done his teachings. And I have past students of mine who have done Travis's work as well. And it just all kind of came together. So I've had the opportunity to learn and chat with him as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to be interviewing him soon. 
and uh, quite a number of the other people featured in the film I'll be interviewing as well. So that's really exciting. So what are your plans? Where are you going from here? What are some of your biggest goals? Well, one of my biggest goals is because I've shifted now from me focusing on teaching and educating these tools for people. Um, I bring in a lot of the mindfulness, the alignment aspects into teaching people how to build their business so that we can get more holistic entrepreneurs, more of those very passionate, inspired individuals out there to educate and support people. So I've actually in the process of building a really cool platform, online platform where people can access mindset training. They can access understanding of business trainings. They can access soul alignment trainings, anything that's going to set them up for success in all aspects of their life. And my intention is I want to, I want to connect with as many people as possible so that we can really create a massive ripple out. So Megan, if you were to write a book, what would the central message be? Oh, I love that you asked me that, Bruce, because I'm actually in the process right now of, of publishing one. And it's called Choose You. Uh-huh. And funny enough, it's all about how to choose. And that every single aspect of life we're presented with two choices. And are you choosing things based on your past what you're comfortable with, or are you choosing things that are going to elevate you based on your soul's desire to grow? And so it's really going to be a step-by-step book of how to utilize the 12 universal laws to choose a more desirable path or a more aligned path, I'll call it, for yourself. What are you, what's your advice about identifying your fears and overcoming them? I I always say your fears are, they're not a negative, right? They're meant to actually kind of be like bumper paths that are guiding us on our path versus steering us away. And so when you recognize what your fear is, and a lot of it comes within slowing down stillness, that's really the basis behind everything. Um, When you start to feel that fear, when you start to acknowledge it, instead of running from it or trying to get away from it, lean into it, get curious again. And I'm a big believer that when you have fears, lean into them a little bit more. Fear never goes away. Everybody has fear, but the difference is people know that if you lean into it, what you create on the other side is an an amazing amount of confidence and authenticity within yourself. So it's, again, it's choosing Are you choosing to run from it and keep yourself safe? Or are you choosing to lean into it and see what's on the other side? Be curious. Megan, what have your children taught you about mindfulness? Oh, my children are my best teachers. I often say, like, people ask me what the best form of personal development was that I ever had. And I'll say, my kids. (laughs) (laughs) I found that too. (laughs) And... Like, I don't know if it's the same experience, but I'm a big believer that our kids are like kind of like flashlights where they shine so brightly lights on all of the things that are kind of creating resistance within ourselves. And again, and I won't say that I'm a perfect parent because I am human and there are moments where I'm not grounded and seeing it for what it is. 
But again, we have two choices in those moments. We can either react to their reactions or recognize what is this bringing up for me? And for me, what I utilize is, is noticing my body. So in that moment of reaction, what am I, what am I holding on to? Am I clenching my fists? Are my shoulders going up? Am I clenching my jaw? And then I start to think about where's the contrast? So what do I feel is important? Cause the ego will make us feel what's important is unimportant and what is unimportant seem important. And so checking in, what am I telling myself is vitally important in this moment? And is it? You have so much to share. You have so much knowledge <laughs> and Mindful Tribe. You need to go over to Megan's website, meganfetz.com, M-E-A-G-A-N. Her last name is F-E-T-T-E-S. So meganfetz.com, check it out. Now, Megan, I've worked in the, in the field of bullying prevention for a long time, and I'm always interested, I'm always curious to find out stories that you may have about, about bullying. Is there a story you can share with us, maybe about yourself as an adult or as a child, or some story where mindfulness would have made a difference? Mm-hmm. Well, and funny enough, I used to utilize mindfulness in the school system ah. to help support building confidence from the inside out so that we would ideally eradicate the need to bully. So there was definitely experiences when I was younger where I was bullied. And um, one experience that I can really think of was in junior high. And this is not my proudest moment. I'll share that. But um, I was in junior high and there was a, a girl who was very, very mean to myself and a few other girls where she would just pull us apart in every which way that she could. And in that moment, if I had mindfulness, I would have been able to see that experience a little bit different. I would have been able to see that that hurt wasn't directed at me, it was more of a expression of the hurt that she was feeling. But instead I reacted. I mean, I was a teenage girl and I reacted and I decided to throw it back at her. And what I remember, and this memory still sticks out so prevalently in my mind is the feeling of that reaction was not fun mm-hmm. because it's when we react it's we're really just fueling that negative energy that low vibrating energy and whereas as an adult right having that awareness and that consciousness if we could instead teach kids to look at what's being said and understand that people can only meet you where they are that it's not about you but instead they're voicing their expression of their pain their hurt then we can start to listen on a different level Wow, what a great story. Megan, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been the biggest influence of mindfulness in your life? My grandma, Uh, absolutely. I'm not surprised that you said that. She sounds like (laughs) an amazing woman. (laughs) She, She was, and She, like, I joke all the time because people would ask me, what was her best quality? And I said, well, she moved so slow. Nothing was a rush. 
That's so interesting because we don't always think of that as a positive quality, do we, when we ha see that in a person? Yeah, like we often think, and the word, right, is thrown out there like, oh, we need to hustle, we need to do more, we need to do all these things. But the energy, if you think about the energy of that, is more based on the scarcity because we're, we're fearful that if we don't do, we can't have. So instead, if we slow down and have that trust and that faith, a, we're going to be acting more intentionally. We're going to take actions that are actually going to create move, momentum and movement in the direction we want. And we're going to have the energy to sustain it. Megan, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's allowed me to stabilize my emotions, actually, and be aware so that I'm not reacting to experiences. Instead, I am acknowledging them and then choosing from there. Mm, I like that. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Every morning, every morning I focus on specific, like different breath work just to expand the, the energy of life within my physical body. But I actually, and I say this because I believe that everybody's human and we all need little reminders. I have stickers around my house that remind me to stop and breathe. And so every time I go to a sticker, I stop and I breathe deeply before I carry on to whatever it was that I was doing. I know you said you're working on a book called Choose You, and I'm excited for that to be released. But is there any other book that you would recommend that's related to mindfulness that can really help people move forward? Mm. Absolutely. So... This is, and I, you know, I don't know if it's still in publication. So I, I feel bad for sharing this, but I'm sure it's out there. I actually found this in my basement, uh -huh. but it's called the 30 day mental diet. Oh, and it's published from in the sixties, but it is a very, like, it's a daily practice that goes into understanding our mind on a different level and who we are on a more in-depth series spiritual and science level and gives us the tools they have like a diet kind of action to take every single day so that you can begin to become more aware more connected and utilize the tools in a really incredible way ah that's great i haven't heard of that book so how long have you been working with that book I do this book i've been working with it for about 3 years and every single month like i restart it ah Wow, that, that sounds very powerful. Wow. If you could recommend an app which could help people with their level of mindfulness, what would that be? Insight Timer. I love Insight Timer and it's free. Like you can get the paid version if you need, but why not go for the free version, especially if you're learning how to become more mindful or you're wanting to integrate more of a meditative practice or a ritual. It's a great app to use. Well, it really is. I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Insight Timer. I love it too. I use it all the time. I use it every day. It's a phenomenal app. And uh, I just am so excited for you being in the movie, How Thoughts Become Things. This is such a great movie, such powerful messages, such great, uh, I mean, just say, such great ways to move forward. So The Secret was a great movie because it taught us about the law of attraction and what that really is. But this teaches us how to use 
the concepts of the law of attraction. I just think it's so exciting. And you can get this movie, like I said earlier, mindfulnessmode.com slash how thoughts. What was one of the greatest things that you learned from being in this movie? You know, one of the biggest things that I learned from being in it is that no matter what, and I, and I love this because I think sometimes we avoid that, what we call negative thought. But what I learned in this process is that what came up was this feeling of not being good enough, mm. just naturally. And I want to share that because no matter what, I want people to know that those feelings don't go away, right? We, we truly need to understand them versus try to avoid them. And it was a very beautiful experience to be able to see that and acknowledge it and look at, go back and look at, okay, well, but I've, I've been invited to do this and I've gotten to share my tools and, and hearing people and their viewpoints of what I've shared in that film really began to shift my mindset. So it was neat to just kind of go into that deeper layer of allowing it was quite amazing. Wow, I think it's it's so awesome that you've had the opportunity to be in the movie. And uh, I just wonder if you have any closing thoughts, any final thoughts for Mindful Tribe as we wrap up our interview today. Yeah, can I share like what I say are like the three best tools that people can utilize that are really, really simplistic um, that will help to generate that mindfulness that will help to really shift things in their life. Of course. Um, the first one is presence. And the way I talk about creating presence is being aware of your, your physical body. So whether that's through breath work, whether that's through feeling your feet on the ground, whatever that might be that cultivates that connection to the present moment. The second one is have curiosity. I know I've talked a lot about curiosity, but the more that you can see things from that lens of curiosity, the more you're actually going to see how life is supporting you and the multitude of ways that you can support yourself within that. And then the final one is gratitude, right? That attitude of gratitude, allowing yourself to be thankful, not just for the big things that happen in our lives, but for the things that we often take for granted, right? We all have things to be grateful for. We have eyes that we can see from, we have ears that we could hear from. We have the ability to speak, walk, whatever it might be, but really getting in tune with that gratitude. Wow, I really love that. Presence, curiosity, and gratitude. And we hear about mm -hmm. gratitude. It's talked about more than it used to be. Gratitude is so incredibly important. Curiosity, we don't hear talked about as much. So I think it's fantastic that you're bringing that up, that, that we need to be curious, that we need to keep that um, curiosity up front in our lives. And of course, presence, we can achieve from, from meditation, we can achieve it from nature, we can achieve it from our relationships. There are so many ways that we can bring that. But I, I just love that you've outlined these three points, presence, curiosity, and gratitude. Thanks very much for that. And Megan, thanks so much for being on the show. And, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to follow your journey as you move forward and, and do even more things. Well, thank you so much, Bruce. This has been such a joy to be a part of. Thanks. All the best to you, Megan. Bye now. 
Bye. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens helps our show. So in the meantime, take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.